The views expressed in this program are those of the participants. Captain Dragonetti, what is the meaning of this affront? My apologies, Signor. But a grave accusation has been levied against one of your guests this evening. I know nothing of any accusations. May I remind you, Nazarino, that you answer to me. Technically, I answer to the Signoria, Your Magnificence. Of which you are but one voice. I couldn't dissuade them, Signor. It's protocol. Our hands were tied. Go on, then, Captain. It has come to the attention of the officers of the night by means of secret denunciation that one, Leonardo de Salpiero da Vinci, has committed in violation of the statutes of the Republic of Florence and divine and natural law the grievous act of sodomy. Said individual is to be immediately remanded to the Bajal. These are lies, this is slander! Whereupon he will remain until the magistrates ascertain his guilt or innocence. Should he be found guilty, he will be led through the public squares to the Palace of Justice and there be burned so that he dies and his body is separated from his soul. No one has been sentenced for this crime for more than 50 years. And yet it's still on the statute books. If you have issues with it, take it up with your forebear, Cosimo. Was it not he who revised Florence's constitution? Or would you flout our fair republic's laws as you see fit? I was under the impression we lived in a democracy, not a dictatorship. Your wrists, senor. Welcome, everyone. It is Thursday, January the 17th, 2019. I'm Bob Metz. And I'm Paul McKeever. And this is Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Join us for an hour of discussion that's not right-wing, it's just right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be And welcome to our show today, where we're going to continue a theme that we began last week, which is basically a back-to-basics type of a show, something we need pretty desperately these days, wouldn't you say, Paul? Absolutely. And so we're going to be talking about thinking right about politics, what terms to use. People get confused about things that are not exactly what they're talking about, and it can cause a lot of confusion. So hopefully we're going to get into that discussion today, as well as maybe some applied politics in terms of what has been transpiring in our own province of Ontario. Sound like a good plan? Excellent. Okay, well, let's get underway right after we remind our listeners that they can write us at feedback at justrightmedia.org, subscribe to Just Right on iTunes, and follow us on SoundCloud, hear us on WBCQ and on Channel 292 Shortwave, and visit us at www.justrightmedia.org, where you can access all of Just Right's social media links and, of course, all of our archived broadcasts. Now, I had a frustrating show last week <laughs> listening to Candace Owens and Russell Brandon and Ben Shapiro and Tucker Carlson all talking about various fundamentals in politics, you know, the basic ideas. And I know you got a bit frustrated yourself, Paul, that you actually got back and starting to make some of your YouTube videos, which you do on youtube.com slash Paul McKeever. Is that right? That's the channel. That's right. And 
what words have got you particularly upset and what was it that actually got you going again because you're hearing the same, shall we say, misunderstandings out there? Yeah, uh, you know, I, I, I sort of turned away from video making for a while. I, my thinking on that has always been spend your time writing if you've only got words to say. Spend your time videotaping if you're actually going to be showing people things. And I thought that in this case, showing people things is going to be necessary. And what, what got me motivated in this case, really, well, there were two things. One, in Ontario, Canada, there was a news release recently about a new political party that's uh, touting itself as an Islamic party. So the Islamic Party of Ontario. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, and, and they come right out and say uh, in their materials that effectively... They are a party that would, whose principles and, and proposals are such that they want to make the laws of Ontario nothing other than the laws set down by Allah in, in the Quran. Uh, the other thing that got me going uh, was um, a recent question and answer session on the Rubin Report, popular interview program on YouTube. With Dave Rubin, yeah. Yeah, Dave Rubin, great guy. Um, now, People might not know this if they haven't seen the show before, Dave Rubin's show. But Dave is a person who, for I guess for a long time, considered himself sort of a left-wing or a progressive person. Uh, but over time has found that perhaps he has ideas that are more at home sort of uh, to what we would call right. And uh, he was presented during this question and answer or ask me anything session with the question, uh, what do you think of minarchism? And it was pretty apparent to me, based on the way he responded, and he didn't, in fact, even know how to pronounce the word. It was written to him, not spoken to him. Uh, that, um, you know, this is a good time at which to catch people who are just venturing into new political ideas, like Dave Rubin. It's a good time to catch them and make sure that they don't get off track with words like minarchism, which I think are what I'm calling garbage words. Really? So, a lot of people use that word. Yeah, it's especially, especially libertarians. That's and, right. And a lot of people who would consider themselves on the right. Yeah, the, the minarchism word is used uh, as a, to distinguish two kinds of libertarians. So libertarians say that there are two kinds. I don't agree there are. I think they're all just people who want less government. But um, the people who call themselves minarchists are people who want to say, hey, I'm not an anarchist. I want some government, but I want a minimal amount of it. Okay. Okay, so they've taken the word anarchism and they've just taken the A-N off, and they've added min, as in minimum, archism, and uh, they think that's a word. Well, it's not. I know what the, the, the idea is, uh, but there are better ways to, uh, to express limited government than to take uh, archie and throw min on the front of it. So those uh, kinds well, what, of... What, what would be the danger in doing that? I mean, you're, you're obviously not upset over this because of a linguistic issue, are you? No, I'm not a word nerd. I, I don't go around correcting grammar on a regular basis, although there are always going to be things that, you know, are pet peeves. Sure. But um, that's not really the idea. I, the idea is that there are, you know, they talk about dead languages, like mm -hmm. Latin. Yeah. And the reason that lawyers, for example, use uh, dead, dead languages, Latin, for example... Uh, is because the the meaning never changes. So when a person says rays, for example, it right. means thing. And it always means thing. It doesn't mean rays of light. It doesn't mean a guy named Ray. It doesn't mean Ray's pizza. It means thing. 
Okay. It's a lot like mathematics that way because the numbers are all always mean the same value. Always That's mean right. the same thing. You, one guy doesn't think a three means a five and yeah. vice versa. And this isn't about tradition. This is about communication. So if you put two people in a room and they're going to try and communicate with one another, exchange ideas and understand one what the other guy means, you need a common lexicon. You need a way to describe ideas in a way that the other guy, the listener, uh, doesn't misconstrue what it is you're saying. Mm-hmm. And so these um, suffixes like crassy that you see in democracy mm-hmm. and archy that you see in words like anarchy, they have very specific meanings. They come from the Greek. And in many, many cases, they're used correctly. And in a few cases, they're used very incorrectly in a way that I think damages people's understanding of suffixes like, you know, crassy and Arky. And if those if those suffixes weren't damaged, if their meanings weren't damaged, the ability to communicate political ideas would be so much uh, broadened and so so much improved. So I think it's really important to have a video, and this is what I've done with this video. It's called the uh, Lexicon of Government. That's what I'm going to title this video. Looking forward to that. And it will help people to share a common lexicon that is rational and clear and unambiguous so that they don't get hung up on things that are really garbage words like minarchy. And there's a number of other ones that come up in the video. Uh, We can talk about them if you like. But things like meritocracy, aristocracy, plutocracy, bureaucracy, these are all trendy and meaningful words that are badly formed and that are doing damage to things like the word democracy. Uh, or anarchy, etc. Aren't they really almost a form of slang? They are. Based on uh, an original known meaning, and then you want to just stretch it a bit to introduce a new idea? Yeah, they're kind of like... um, uh, Or are there correct words to use in their place? Of course there are, and that's the problem, that the correct words aren't that popular, and the incorrect ones have become popular. It's kind of like gate, you know, where every scandal has to have something with the word gate on the end, (laughs) you know, cheese gate, you know, swimming pool gate, all because at some point in the past, there was a Watergate hotel, Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, Nixon was involved, and there was a whole scandal about that. So when you uh, just take a you know, archism or a crazy and you stick something on the front of it because you think people will get the gist, you're doing a lot of damage in some case uh, cases to real meanings of real words that are actually useful in political conversations. Okay, so give us a couple examples. Well, what I set out in the video is, is a consideration that I think everyone needs to start with. There are three things that characterize what people call government. Now, I don't think there's kinds of government. I'm going to submit in the video for reasons that are going to be, take a half an hour to explain in that video. But there's only one thing called a government that's properly called a government. All these other things that people call kinds of governments are not really kinds of government at all. And I'll get into what those are later. But before you can figure out why or agree that there is only one kind of thing called a government, you need to be able to categorize all of these other things that are not governments. And the way you do that is by identifying three aspects of them. The first is executor. The second is source of the power that's wielded by that executor. And the third is the scope of the power that's wielded by that executor. So the executor would be, for example, the queen or the president. Or if you had some kind of committee that was uh, governing, maybe, for example, uh, First Nations, they might have a a committee that no one person uh, decides anything. 
They have a well, chairman to represent them or something. Like they that. might, yeah. There might be various forms. But whoever is the person who takes the laws and says, okay, we're going to, you know, we're going to take the power we have and these are the things we're going to do with that power, that's the executor. Um, now, I'm not talking about the specific, you've, you've heard of the legislative branch, the judicial branch, the executive branch. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not getting that specific. With executor, I simply mean who's someone you would call the leader or the who's ruler. Who's the boss. Who's the boss of the country, right. okay? Uh, the source of the power wielded by that person, well, first you need to know what power is. You know, What are we talking about with power? Power means the, the, the ability to use force. So what does government do? It uses force to force people to do things it wants it to do, uh, wants them to do, and it uses force to prevent them from doing things the government doesn't want them to do. And so when we say power, we mean the ability to use force. And we, when we talk about the source of power, we say, who made you the boss? Mm-hmm. Okay? Who is the person or the entity or the thing that gave you the power? Yeah, what's your justification for your power? Yeah, why do you think you have this power in the first place? Who, who made you the boss? And then the third and final thing you need to consider when you're categorizing these things that people call government is the scope of the power. So that's, you know, what, thing, what things can you do and what things can you not do? What power do you have? What power do you not have? So if you have a very, very limited government power, that would mean things like, well, maybe you can um, determine the color of the lights on the uh, street uh, you know, indicators, mm-hmm. but you can't do anything else. Well, that would be very limited. That would be a very narrow scope. Or you might have something as broad as you can do anything to anyone at any time, period. Well, that's complete and utter totalitarianism, and that's your other extreme end, right? So the scope is, you know, what it, what falls within the power you have to so, exercise. So when we hear people, especially on the right, talking about advocating limited government, it's that scope that they're trying to limit. Is that exactly correct? right? So that's where you talk about limited government. You don't talk about limited government in the course of talking about the executor, and you don't talk about limited government in the course of talking about the source. Not per se. What you're what you're talking about is the scope of power. This is an ordered world, Jim. A conservative world based on time-honored Roman strengths and virtues. What happened to your crew? There's been no war here for over 400 years, Jim. Could, let's say, your land of that same era make that same boast? I think you can see why they don't want to have their stability contaminated by dangerous ideas of other ways and other places. Interesting. And given a conservative empire, quite understandable. Are you out of your head? I said I understood it, Doctor. I find the checks and balances of this civilization quite illuminating. Next, he'll be telling us he prefers it over Earth history. They do seem to have escaped the carnage of your first three world wars, Doctor. They have slavery, gladiatorial games, despotism. Situations quite familiar to the six million who died in your first world war, the 11 million who died in your second, the 37 million who died in your third. Shall I go on? Interesting. Um, okay. Do you like mini-archasm? In libertarian political philosophy, a night watchman state or mini-archasm, mini-archasm, I guess, is a model of a state who's o- who only functions 
whose only functions are to provide its citizens with the military, the police, the courts, thus protecting them from aggression, theft, breach of contract, and fraud and enforcing property laws. I mean, that's not that far from what an ideal libertarian state would be. So what you just laid out there for me is pretty congruent with most of the things that I believe, um, but I, I would need to know a little bit more. So, you know, Bob, uh, I was just talking about there's this executive consideration and the source of the power and the scope of the power. And it turns out that each of these has their own uh, sets of suffixes that are appropriately used, especially executor and source. Mm -hmm. So for executor, what we're after is identifying the person who's the decision maker. Okay, so what's the Greek word that means, you know, decision maker? Well, mm -hmm. it's, it's a word that means leader or ruler, and it, it's arkos. And from that, we get the suffix archi. Right. So, for example... So, we have a monarchy. Monarchy. Well, what's mon? Mon is one. One. One person is the ruler. There's another one we have. Oligos means the few. And from oligos, arcos, we get oligarchy. oligarchy. Yeah. Or we could have uh, plutocracy, which would be plutos... Arcos, so in other words, the wealthy are the executives, um, and etc. So, or if you wanted to say that you didn't want there to be a government at all, well, then you want to get rid of all executors, right? So, uh -huh. what do you do? An archy, an meaning without or none, all from the Greek, mm -hmm. and all of those are proper terms. All of the archies refer to leader. And so we're not talking there about where does the, where does the leader get his power, where, how much power does he have. We're just saying, who is the leader? And that's that executor question. So if it's an executor question, who is, you use the suffix archi. And then there are the usual prefixes, mono or mon, meaning one, oligos, meaning the few, uh, plutos, meaning the wealthy, etc. Now, that's executor. There's also, the second question is, well, where does that executor get his power? What's the source? Who, in particular, is the source of his power? So what's the Greek word for power? Well, it turns out the Greek word for power is kratis, from which we anglicize that and get krasi, mm -hmm. or krasi, like democracy. Right. So when we're looking for um, the proper prefix for that, we have to use something that identifies a person who is giving power. Now, the three most common ones are, let's say, we'll take the, 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 the Napoleon situation, who crowned himself, you remember? I wasn't there, but... Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well... Not yeah. that old, Paul. Yeah, yeah. Well, he, he literally crowned himself instead of letting the religious order crown him. Right. And the idea there is he's saying, I am making myself the king. So it's the self that is the source of the power of the executor. And so, what is the Greek word for self? Autos, from which we get autos, kratis, or autocracy. So, that is a person who has made himself, that's a government that has made itself the source of its own power. What's now, another it's, one? It's funny, I've heard that phrase inappropriately applied to Donald Trump. And inappropriate is absolutely right. That would yeah. be utterly inappropriate. There's no way on earth that he's an autocrat. He didn't give himself power. He was elected. Okay, but we can so, get into that. So there could be no such thing as Trump-cressy. 
<laughs> no, no, that'd be nonsense. Yeah, okay. Um, and there wouldn't even be idiocracy, really, unless, <laughs> <laughs> unless you get your power from idiots, you yeah, know. Okay. Um, but then, uh, well, we've talked about autocracy. What's another big one? Well, theocracy. We see theocracies all over the world. And what does that refer to? Well, theos means God. So a theoskratis means you get your power from God. All right. Well, what does that mean in practice? Well, that means that because you can't get more power from someone than they've got to give, and God supposedly, in most cases, this omnipotent, all-powerful, all-present, all-knowing person, the only limit in a theocracy on the government's power is what the God said the power should be used for and what it should not be used for. So the government in a theocracy has the power to do everything that the God would do with power mm-hmm. and has no power to do what the God would not do with power. So ethics is built into a theocracy, and the ethics might be expressed in a religious book like the Bible, or it might be put it in a book like the Koran. That's how the government supposedly is to know how to use the power of God, but the amount of power it's using is pretty much going to be unlimited because they're getting power from Allah or from uh, God or from, you know, Whatever. Well, I guess that depends on your ethics, too, doesn't it? Depends on how you look at God. You hear a lot of Christians say, well, God is there, but he doesn't actually exercise his power. He leaves it to your free will. Mm-hmm. Would that still be a theocracy? If, if you have a belief in a God that has the ability to use power, you know, to, to move mountains mm-hmm. and et cetera, well, then that would be a theocracy. If you're talking about a, like sort of a deist situation, you know, like... Uh, the early Americans who, who framed the Constitution, they didn't really believe in a in an active God who, you know. No, the responsibility was always on the individual, yeah, he, even though it fell back on on this idea of a deity. Yeah, he set the wheels in motion, but after that he just sat back and watched how right. it all went, right? I don't think that in that case you could talk about a theocracy because there the God is believed not to have the power to enter. Basically first cause kind of thing. That's all he's, yeah. Yeah, that's all he's doing. But uh, anywhere where you have this entity, this thinking entity that intervenes, that's where you're going to have the possibility of, of a theocracy. And it's going to be a scary amount of power because the government will basically claim it has the power of God. And, you know, the early British kings were that way. You know, uh, the, the divine right of kings said, I got my power from God. Mm-hmm. That was that, that's exactly what they're saying. And they're trying to say at, at that point, I can do what I want because God empowered me. And as long as I'm not doing something contrary to God's will... I can use as much force, and I can do it in as many ways. I've got unlimited power. Now, that leaves the third thing. The third consideration is not executor or, or source, but rather the scope mm-hmm. of the power, right? Oh, this one we ought to touch, touch on. Before we leave a source, the, the one that's most common, of course, is uh, democracy. Oh, yeah, I heard about that. <laughs> <laughs> and in a democracy, of course, we have a demos, which means people, kratos, meaning power. So people power or democracy. And that means you get your power from people. So from the governed. Mm -hmm. And that's where you get that phrase, you know, a government of the people, by the people, for the people. In other words, the government serves the people, comes from the people, is empowered by the people. It's not the arm of some god. It's not the hand of of, uh, that would also imply that, that the power of that democracy comes from the people and from whatever power they already possess. Right. Now, that's why you have to get into that third question. You know, you, there's the question of who, how, who wields the power. There's a question of where do they get it. 
But then there's the question of, well, what is the power that they've been given? What is the scope of that power? And, well, again, that's going to depend on who, who gave you the power because you can't get power that the person who gave it to you didn't have. Correct. I can't give you $20 that I don't have to give. And uh, if, if the, um, uh, you know, the power is coming from yourself, well, then effectively what you're saying is, I give myself all the power I have, which means you're going to do whatever you can, which means your scope of power is limited only by your own abilities, mm-hmm. you know, by your money, by your ability to think about things, by your physical ability, right. by your resources. That's it. So that, that person's, you know, set up possibly to be a tyrant. Now they might be a benevolent dictator, I suppose. I don't know if we ever had any of those. But the, the general idea is they don't have to be, right? Mm-hmm. There's, the scope of their power is unlimited. And so uh, if you have an autocracy where the power comes from the person who is your executor, you know, you're, you're looking at unlimited scope. When you're talking about a theocracy, the power is coming from a god. Well, what's the scope of power that the god gives? Well, the god gives the power that's within the scope of what the god would, you know, how the god would exercise power. So the god might intervene to, I don't know, smite you if you were about to kill somebody or, you know, uh, punish you if you were about to smoke weed or whatever, mm-hmm. whatever that god thinks is wrong might be a way that the god would would exercise his omnipotent power. And so the theocracy, the government that gets its power from allegedly from a god, will fancy itself to be able to do whatever that god could be able to do, uh, but not to be able to do the things that the god said shouldn't be done with power. Okay. So that leaves us with a democracy. What is the, you know, the, the scope of power held by government in a democracy? Well, in a democracy... The scope of the power is going to depend upon what a human being is. You know, what can a human being give as power? And that really bears on the question of, well, what is a human being? You know, that's a metaphysical question and an epistemological question because you there's the, there's the fact of what the person is and then there's your ability to recognize it to be what it is. And it's remarkable. It's a question that hasn't been settled yet. They fight about it all the time. Right. <laughs> you, know? you know, you've got, you've got these uh, environmental, or not environmental, uh, um, um, evolutionary psychologists who want to say human beings are basically reptiles with a thin skin of something new put on top and you've got this decision-making thing that's fighting against a a feeling thing and uh, you know we're largely mechanical and etc so that question is very important although the question of the the scope of the power given to a government in a democracy is really going to come down to okay what is the ethics what is the ethical code what is the ethical philosophy that is the right ethical philosophy for a human being. Once you know what a human being is, what's the right ethical code that's consistent for a human being with being a human being? And there's, of course, two kinds, right? Uh, really, there's uh, a code that says, do what's good for others, and the other code is, do what's good for you. One is egoistic, the other is otheristic, in other words, altruistic. And of course, you could say, oh, well, I'm doing whatever I want to do for me, so that's necessarily good for me. No. Um, jumping off, you know, jumping out of a plane without a parachute is not good for you. Um, so that would be egoistic, but it would be insane. And so it can't just be egoistic. It has to be rationally egoistic. Do things that are consistent with living as a human being. And it's about living as a human being, not dying as a mm-hmm. human being. Dying as a human being is really easy. You know, you could just sit around, don't even try and move a finger to get food. You'll die by default. So let's say that there are two ethical codes here altruism and rational egoism and all the various other kinds of 
ethics might fall into one of those two camps, but primarily they're going to fall into that altruistic camp. Well, that's going to have very different implications for the scope of a government's power. If you believe that the right philosophy, the right ethical philosophy for human beings is altruism, then the power you give to the government is the power to make people sacrifice for others, right? Because the right thing is to sacrifice for others. That's the right use of power. Mm -hmm. I, as an individual, should be sacrificing of myself, using my power to sacrifice of myself, not to pursue my own happiness, not to pursue my own survival, but at best to die for others, right? We're going to die like Christ on a cross or like a firefighter saving people from a burning building. Now, that, that's be- the ultimate good but in the altruist code. Now, before you go on, is there no middle position between the egoist and the altruist? There, there couldn't be. No. It, well, some people would say, well, yeah, maybe your self-interest comes first, but you have to consider the other guy. Is that not a, an official, is there no word for that positioning? Not really. No? No. Um, you, you have to put someone first, and then you decide what you do about it. So, for example... Uh, oh. You might end up mm-hmm. doing something for the other guy because it's in your interest, right? So if you have uh, a rational egoist philosophy, you, for example, might go without food so that your children can live, you know? You might go without um, uh, money that you would like to spend on a nice car so that your children can go through a nice education. Uh, you might give money to the poor because you think that poor guy, he's only in the poor house because of a downturn in the economy. He, he was running his business well. And uh, he needs a hand up and, hell, I got lots of money here. I, I'm going to help him out a bit. There's nothing wrong with that. It's, what it's you're a, saying is that person is still operating from an egocentric point of view, not from an altruistic point of view. That's right. It's not that helping the other person is a good thing to do. It's that it's not a bad thing to do. You're not, you're not self-destructing by giving someone some money that's ex- that, that you don't particularly need to survive or to achieve your happiness. And you're treating your fellow man as someone to whom goodwill is should be extended unless the person's obviously guilty. Sure. And, you know? you, of course, you might expect something like that in return, too, as part of the deal, you know, well, we that only, other people respect you. Yeah, trust among human beings is essential. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, that starts with assuming, you know, that a person's not guilty of anything until proven, uh, proven to be guilty. So, uh, you know, um, just to finish this off, if, if an altruist philosophy leads to a government that can use force to kill you, to imprison you, to enslave you, to take your property because it doesn't think you're doing enough for your fellow man. You know, it wants to take your money and give it to the poor. It wants to uh, punish you because you're, you're hurting your fellow man's feelings. So you're going to go to prison for using words that made him feel bad. Um, you know, or uh, they're going to put you uh, in, the, in, the, um, in the chair because you committed some sexual act. The electric chair. Yeah. They used to do that kind of thing. Or, or you know, worse. Sometimes <laughs> that you live in a rotten state of, of physical health. Um, that's altruism in, in action if, if in a democracy. So a, d- a democracy can be a horrible thing if you're getting power from people who believe that self-sacrifice is the right moral code. But it is absolutely necessary to have a democracy if people believe that rational egoism is the way to live your life. When you believe that you should be pursuing the values that make the survival and happiness in your own life happen, then you're only giving government the power to defend your life, liberty, and property, to make sure that other people don't take your life or your liberty or your property without your consent. And that's that limited scope of government that those minarchists, so-called minarchists, are looking for.
That was Hall. They called a meeting at 8.30. We have to attend. Where is it? The university. Oh, we're just about time. Well, Mother, that was the district leader. It's a special meeting. It seems an awful thing to oh, do. Oh, but couldn't you explain? Well, what could I say? They were having a birthday party. We've got to go. After all, oh. it is a big night, isn't it? What about you, Martin? Coming? No, thanks. Oh, come on. Join us. You'll have to sooner or later. No, I'll be late. I'm sorry, Freya, but you understand. No, it's all right. They want you, strangely enough. Hull's bound to ask for you. Well, tell them peasants have no politics. They keep cows. <laughs> they want to keep their cows. They better have the right politics. Excuse me, Mrs. Roth. Professor? Victor, what a pity, your birthday party. Yes, it seems as though we'll have to play second fiddle to Herr Hitler. <laughs> you oughtn't to mind. Huh? Well, that's what they tell us in school. The individual must be sacrificed to the welfare of the state. Oh. <laughs> What do you do for a living? Uh, I'm a sea captain. Oh. So you've sailed the seven seas? <laughs> no, no, uh, just one. Uh, I was on a, a small boat uh, for, uh, for the uh, commune. Uh, how, do you, how do you say commune? Communist? Yes, yes. Sometimes it's so hard to find the right English word. Huh. You're listening to Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Now, Paul, you were talking about the executor, the source, and the scope. Yeah. And one of the things that struck me right away, and it was something you and I talked about like years ago. Mm-hmm. And I recall being totally blown away one time when you said that individual rights, and that you, when you have rights, what you have a right to is the right to use force. Yeah. And when we say a person has a right to something, we are literally saying that that person has the right to use force to protect that something. And generally, that something is life, liberty, or property. That's right. Is that the correct way of looking at that? Absolutely. You might even simplify it and just say it is right to use force to defend your own life, liberty, and property, or even to defend the life, liberty, and property of anyone else who's facing someone who's trying to take it without their consent. Now, of course, a lot of law today goes counter to that, especially in the issue of property. Somebody comes in your house and starts stealing something, you're not supposed to use force against them. You're supposed to let them get away with it yeah. and then let the police chase after them afterwards. Is that something that you think would be proper law, or is, is, there, a, is there something in consideration there that goes beyond this discussion? Well, you could, let's, let's take the most well-meaning interpretation of that policy. The most well-meaning might be that behind closed doors, there might not be witnesses there who could say what really went down. All right, so maybe you said, um, hey, bud, come on into my place, only because you wanted to chop his head off. Okay, that's obviously a danger. And you might say, therefore, no chopping heads off because it might be the case that you were actually trying to murder someone, not just trying to defend yourself. On the other hand, as a practical matter, that would be fine if, as a practical matter, you could pick up the phone and within five seconds, the police would be there uh, telling the, the, the intruder to get out of your house or grabbing him and arresting him. But that's not what happens. It can't even happen that way. If someone's in your house, A, at least in this area, in this province, in this country, you call the police. If they come at all, they probably won't be there for at least 10, 20, 40, 100 right. minutes, depending on what's going on. I mean, they may have their hands full with something else. 
you know, speeding tickets alone mm-hmm. occupies a number of these cruisers. But the point is, you know, if you can't rely upon the police because of resource issues, you can't rely upon them to defend you from being murdered or have your property taken away. Yeah, I don't want, I don't want to imply that even under that principle that when you take force or when you use force to protect your life, liberty, and property, that you're exempt from having to justify the use of that force. You still have to, say you kill somebody in the defense of one of those things, yeah. you still have to be brought before a jury or someone under law to to say that you did that justly. Yeah, there was defense. Right. And so I guess that would depend on whatever evidence was available or not. But I would think that in the cases where it's a little fuzzy, maybe the weight of the evidence should be on the person defending his life, liberty, and property. Well, certainly within his own home. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the idea, right? That in a home, you can't see what's going on. Therefore, don't go into homes uninvited. Yeah. Because we're going to favor the, the evidence of the guy who survived. You know, we're not going to favor you as the victim who, who got shot when you entered the guy's home illegally. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, as a practical okay, matter, that you, you should be able to defend yourself within your own home. I think the law is wrong in Canada. And I'm in favor of those uh, states uh, in the U.S. that say, you know, your home is your castle. And if someone comes in uh, and who shouldn't be there, too bad for them. So as a source of power in that case, if the individual has the ability to use force and has individual rights, is there one of these crassy words that fits into that particular aspect of it? Well, unless there's a religion out there that says it's right to use uh, you know, I, there's this one one comic we used once in a in a Freedom Party uh, publication, and this fella's standing in front of St. Peter, and he's got a, gu- a gun in his holster, and St. Peter says, no, it's not a God-given right. <laughs> <laughs> but but unless, unless there's a God-given right out there that says you should shoot your fellow man when he right, tries to right. take you, um, <laughs> then I don't think it would be in a theocracy that you would have that right. In an autocracy, unless the uh, person who's claiming he has all the power is saying, but I'm also giving you the power to defend yourself, which isn't usually the case. I mean, Hitler rises to power. The first thing he does is take the guns away. So I think no. I think the only place you're going to see self-defense uh, happen is in a democracy where the people give the power to the government, where the government is the servant of the people, because the only power they have is given to them anyway. And, and where would they get the power to shoot the bad guy unless the people who gave them the power had that power too? Now, that's interesting because... You hear a lot of Americans argue that, well, their country's not a democracy, it's a republic, and that's where they get the right from. They have that right because they're a republic. You know, that's a, one of the, I didn't mention this earlier, but that is one of the motivating things behind this video uh, that I put out this week. The argument is often made, and a lot of objectivists make this argument for well-meaning reasons. They'll say, America, a republic, not a democracy. But that's like saying, people don't eat shrimp, they drink water. You know? Yeah. It's not, they're not comparable. They're uh, apples and, and horseshoes, right? And really, so, they're not mutually exclusive. They're not, because republic is a form of, of executor, but a democracy is a source of power, right? So Kratos is power, whereas uh, republic refers to executor. You know, we didn't touch on that one. I'll just mention a republic. Well, that, that's interesting. You kind of did, because you would define the executor as being the president, queen, or chairman, or something. Like. There so you, you, go. got the, you got the president in there. That would be the president of a republic. Yeah. The interesting thing about republic is that that word is actually, it's the one that doesn't come from the Greek. It comes from Latin, so from the Romans. And it, it's made up, again, of two words, res, R-E-S, res, and uh Publicus, meaning from the public, so it's, or of the public. So it's a thing, that's what res means, of the public, that's your uh, public, publicus. 
So a republic is a thing of the public. Mm-hmm. And the president is the representative of the thing of the public. He's <laughs> the thing of the public is the executor. And so they have a republic that is democratic. It gets its power. The re- republic gets its power from the people, from the governed. So it's, a, it's, a non, it's not a proper distinction to be made. But you know where that comes from. The reason that people, the well-meaning people, mm-hmm. are making the distinction between republic and democracy is because they're making the mistake of thinking that democracy means majority I rule. I was just going to mention that, right? Yeah. And that is not what democracy means properly. Now, of course, the problem here is every you know, ill-meaning person in the world has seen that this word democracy is held up as, as valued and good. And so, well, if you've got a term that's valued and good and it's political, you better make it stand for whatever you want it to stand for. And so if you've got people who want majority rule as opposed to individual rights, you say that, oh, well, democracy means not only that the government gets its power from the people, but that the government does whatever most of the people want it to do. And that's a totally different thing. Mm-hmm. What you're saying there is that, that the majority determine what is to be done with the power. Not ethics, but majority whim. You know, what the wants of the majority. Right, and they could actually choose to, to vote against individual rights. Sure, you could have a democracy in which you said, hang all the black people, or a democracy in which you said, you know, put all the, the, uh, the Jewish people in, in uh, concentration camps, as has been done in the past. And you could even say that democ- democracy was at work in Hitler's Germany, for gosh sakes, even though he had unlimited power and he was the executor. He would claim, I'm sure, that he got his power from the people. You know, he 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 went through the the charade of having a and a, yet a election. E- even in a legitimate quote unquote democracy, where people they still choose by a majority vote, don't they? Well, they're electing. Uh, there's a difference between again between elections and democracy. Elections just the way you choose your executor, right? Mm-hmm. right? But they say it's that's the way you express people being in power. That's how you know the people are giving the power because they're the ones that are electing, right? They're doing the electing. So that's an expression. That's a form in which we we can acknowledge that, oh, it must be the case that the government's getting its power from the people because if they didn't elect anybody, there wouldn't be an executor. And mm-hmm. if there weren't an executor, there wouldn't be a government. So clearly the people are the ones who are giving power to the government, to the executor. Now, where else did we want to go? We wanted to talk about monarchism and anarchism. Well, minarchism and anarchism, Minarch- sorry, yeah. not monarchy. No, I, yeah. Minarchy, well, minarchy, not monarchy. Like, anarchism is... is, complete- is minarchy, is that a small king? It's <laughs> <laughs> a short guy. A short yeah. guy, yeah. yeah. Well, because remember, okay, so anarchy is n- uh, the lack of, a, of an executor, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, archy meaning ruler or leader. Uh, so anarchy means no leader, no ruler. No executor, in other words. But what would minarchy mean? What, minimum ruler? Was that a short person? That's why I was just yeah, contemplating half a, that. Half a person? Like a person in a wheelchair? I don't know what it is. Okay. So uh, it doesn't make any sense because someone has just taken archism, anarchism, in fact. They've said, well, not no government, but how about some government? So they've stuck min in where an was, and they think it means minimal government, but it doesn't. It means minimal executor. You know, I don't even know what that would, that would mean. Because it doesn't make any sense. So it's one of those made-up words. And there are other ones, right? Mm-hmm. There's a whole bunch of them made up for, for Kratos, for crazy, right? Right. For example, you've got meritocracy. What would that mean, literally? Well, usually people, when they say meritocracy, they mean, you know, people should be given the, the power, the authority that they deserve. 
right? right? That, their, that, their, that their abilities merit. But it's not a meritarchy. It's a meritocracy they're talking about. Well, that means that you're getting your power from the meritorious, not from the incompetent. Now, I suppose you could have a government that gets its authority from the meritorious, but I don't even know why you would want that. Or let's say bureaucracy. Well, the, what's the bureau? Well, that's the civil servants. You could almost create a class of people who were the merit meritorious, meritorious people yeah. who were recognized as such, and then people say, well, let, these guys know what they're doing. Let's turn the power over to them. Would that then become a legitimate <laughs> a meritocracy? Well, it would, but then what that would mean is that the, you disenfranchise all the non-meritorious. Everybody else, yeah. Yeah, the government doesn't serve you. It serves us, right. only the meritorious. And, and we have bureaucracy. Well, then you'd have a government that serves only the bureaucrats. That sounds like what we live in now. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but by more than that, that they get their power from the bureaucrats, right. which clearly is false. Right. right? There's no sense in which bureaucrats give government the power. Uh, they wouldn't exist if the, if the people didn't give them the power. Um, the, the, you know, there are others. There's the uh, plutoc- plutocracy or plutocrats. Well, that would mean that you only get your power from the rich. Well, that's not true either. I mean, there's no, it's not the case, for example, that only the rich vote. You might say that the rich influence people's vote, but that's not the same as, as the rich being the source of the power of the right. government. You know, and there's other ones. Um, we could probably go on all day, but you can, you can make them up. And that's exactly what has happened. <laughs> I bet the ordinary people in this neighborhood would like the old folks to have a Christmas party. Well, of course, but the town hall would rather have a new town hall. Or a councillor's fact-finding mission to the Bahamas. <laughs> so, what do you do? I think it's obvious. Abolish them. Invest all power in the central government. That's exactly what Humphrey would say. See? As promised, I'm doing a video on the Islamic Party of Ontario. Now, most of the videos that you've probably already seen will be painting them in a negative light. Now, I told myself I was going to try and stay positive in the new year, so let's try and look at some of the advantages of Sharia law and having Ontario be an Islamic state. First off, think about all the time you're going to save when women get barred from driving again on your commute to work. Islam just took 25 to 30% of traffic out of your way in the morning, saving you probably a minimum of 15 minutes on your way to work. Boom! Patriarchy's making a comeback through Islam. Yatch. Now I know what you're thinking. There's going to be a rise in the number of occasional jihadis trying to play kill the coffee going down the sidewalk. But don't worry. The money that we're all going to save on our insurance, we can put towards more concrete barriers. That's the free market at work, baby. Another advantage to the Islamic State of Ontario would be our kids' future. Financially, they'd be a lot better off. They're not going to be bogged down by that pesky student debt. Because there isn't a single Islamic State that has a university in it. Now that's not to say that in Islam they don't believe in higher learning. I'm not sure if the progressives are going to agree with this or not, but they're going to best Doug Ford. He took the school curriculum all the way back to 1998. Well, when they get into power, they're going to take it back to 598. I've heard it said, Paul, that, you know, with democracy you have one person, one vote. And therefore, you should be able to vote for anything, like anything that's open to the public. And often you hear about communists running or undesirably, you know, perhaps not so democratic ideologies running within a democracy. And, and you know, you've heard that joke. Yeah, they, they believe in a democracy. One vote, one person, one time. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. And then it's all over. Yeah. And is that's not democracy. No. Is it? So... You've already precluded, just in recognizing what I just said, 
that there are certain entities that should not be allowed into the political arena. Do you, would you agree with that? Would, or would that be anti-democratic? No, I think you're, you're right. So people will say that democracy is voting in elections and elections are democracy and voting is democracy. That is not democracy. That's just the way you They're know. back to the majority rule That's mythology right. again. That's Everything's right. majority. Yeah, it's certainly the case uh, that by voting people into power, we are showing who's the boss. We're showing where does the power come from, mm-hmm. right? But that's just the evidence. It's not what democracy is. It's just the evidence of the democracy. The democracy is you're getting your power from the people. That's, what, that's the concept that is democracy. The evidence of it is that they're the ones who put you in power. So technically, you could have a democracy where people don't vote regularly. Is that possible? You could have a democracy where no, no voting occurs ever. You could have, for example... Uh, an autocracy, a person who says, I am your benevolent, di- benevolent yeah, but dictator. that's not a democracy. No, it isn't. But, but what I'm saying is you could have a person who's an, who's, an, who's an autocrat who says that he's getting his power from the people. And if, in fact, he conducted himself as a human being, right? Because he is a human being, mm-hmm. the, the autocrat. Then he could say, well, I get my power from me, but that doesn't matter because I only can give myself the powers that a human has. And it, the powers that a human has are, di- are dictated by ethics. And therefore, ethics, if it's rationally egoistic ethics, means I cannot use power except to defend your life, liberty, and property. So you could say, although that, that person would seem to be giving himself power, he, it's not the same. He's giving, he's, he's having, he's getting people power. He's getting power that human beings can give to a government. Mm-hmm. And in that sense, it's a, it's a democracy, right? He's, he's got only the power that a human being has in accordance with a proper ethics. So, yeah, I mean, in theory, you could have a democracy without an election. It'd be very unusual and it would never, I don't think it would ever happen. I don't think anyone would fail to abuse it. So a democracy normally is going to be need, you're normally going to need to prove that you're living in a democracy by giving a term limit to a person that can only run for so many, be, be in power. Well, I mean, so voting many. is even done in corporations and businesses, which are not technically democracies. That's they're, right. They're, they're... Well, in a sense, they are. I mean, they're not governments, right? No. But, but what they are is there's situations where shareholders say, we're the boss, right? We are the boss of you. And that's what the voters are doing. We're the governed. We're the boss of you. We give you the power. You don't just have power. We give you human power, whatever that human power is. So, so you and I live in the province of Ontario, <laughs> and now we hear that there's an Ontario Islamic Party that has been formed. Oh, yes. It sounds kind of anti-democratic to me. Should that party, that be one of those parties you might vote for where you get that one vote, one person, one time result? <laughs> well, Would that um, be democracy? I don't think so. It, it depends on what they stand for, but mm-hmm. in this case, it's, they've made it pretty clear what they stand for. Uh, let me say what they don't stand for. So let's say that you set up a party that says... We're the, I don't know, Zippy Dippy Party. Let's call it the Zippy Dippy. And the Zippy Dippy Party says, um, we think that the Ten Commandments are a pretty good guide to lawmaking. And here are the things we're in favor of. We're, we're uh, in favor of cracking down on abortion. We're in favor of uh, uh, only uh, heterosexual marriages and that kind of thing. That's fine. That doesn't make it theocratic, right? It means that policies might be informed by their religion, but they're not making a statement about all laws must conform to the will of their God. Okay? That's not the case with this Islamic Party of Ontario. I've got some excerpts from their website here. 
So they start off, they try and make it look as though they're all about the laws of Canada and obeying man-made law. So they start off with the, uh, uh, by the way, as the Christian Heritage Party, which is also a theocratic party in Canada. They, and I'll explain why in a second, but they start off by quoting, as that other party does, the, the, the uh, Charter, of Canadian, uh, Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Quote, Whereas Canada is founded upon principles that recognize the supremacy of God and the rule of law. Unquote. Well, that, first of all, the history of that supremacy of God clause, that had to be fought over. Uh, but ultimately, constitutional scholars will agree it's of no force or effect. It's not as though we are saying that Canada is a theocracy. And then it continues, this is the party speaking, it says, and understands that it is our constitutional requirement. See, now it's not their fault. Hey, we were forced to do this by the Constitution, right. you see. That's, how, that's their excuse. To make all the, and then they say rule of laws. That's not a phrase. They're just sticking rule of in there because it was in the Constitution. What they mean is, it's our constitutional requirement to make all the laws of provinces and federal in obedience. And, and the language is really broken here, so I apologize. But this is, I'm reading it as it's written. Laws of the provinces and federal in obedience and according to the will of God. And it continues, believing in God's supremacy means believing dot, 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 his authority. Okay, right there, authority. And then they continue, the word Islam means surrender and peace. That, that means Islam requires surrender to God to attain peace. Okay, so they're making it pretty clear uh, what they're all about. And then they continue and say, to achieve the objective of making sure that God's the supreme ruler and etc. The Islamic Party of Ontario will follow the peaceful and democratic means. See here they're saying elections legitimize what they're doing. Provided by the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms. So they're using the, the, uh, the wrapping paper of, of democracy, which is the elections and etc. To say, see, we're, we're democratic because we do it by way of votes. But that's not what democracy is. Votes are just a way of saying, of proving, but it's not, it's not determinative, but it's just some evidence that the people are the, are the ones that give the government power and that, that the government is serving the people. Then they're right? buying back into the majority rule. Everything's, democracy means majority rule. But there, you know these guys aren't majority no. rule. These guys are Allah rule. And they make it clear that, that the Quran is what they want uh, to be the, the laws that are made the laws of of Ontario. So they are a theocratic party. They are a party that believes that any law that exists has to be a law that was dictated to people by a law and that that the legislature of Ontario is nothing other than the hand of a law. So this is this is not a democratic party. It's a theocratic party that votes itself and or, or hopes to get voted into power. Now it seems to me that the whole objective of even having government and even having laws and everything, is you want to create a certain social condition in which people get along. And we call that freedom. Individual freedom is the ultimate goal. And yet many of these policies do not lead to freedom or any such thing. In fact, um, I found it interesting that in response to our show last week, I had a person post on Facebook, and you hear this reminder all the time, you know, um, there is no freedom without responsibility, Yeah. right? And this is very true. They're inseparable. But if you're going to use that statement, I would almost say the opposite. I would say there's no responsibility without freedom. 
Right, because the, the, what they're trying to do is when they're, when they're misusing that phrase, when they're misusing that statement, they're trying to say the responsibility is imposed upon you by government. And that's not what freedom and, and responsibility is. Right. Yeah. They mean you're responsible because the government's not doing it for you. Exactly, right? yeah. In a free society, you're on your own. You, you have the responsibility of making choices and acting in accordance with the, the wise ones. But this, this Islamic Party of Ontario... Being theocratic, your earlier question was, you know, should they even be allowed to register? Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. You know, if we live in a democracy, if we want to continue living in a democracy, if the purpose of the legislature is to uh, enact laws pursuant to the power given to it by the people, for the people, it's a government of the people, it is not and should never be seen to be uh, something that anyone claims is the hand of anyone's God. It must be stamped out before it starts. This is a nip it in the bud situation. You have to say no. Uh, we have elections to prove that the people are the source of the government's power. We don't have elections to replace people with a law. And that's what they're after. They want a law to be the source of Ontario legislature's uh, power. And we need to have laws in this province that say, if that's your stated goal, you're not allowed to participate in this process because you're not after laws that will defend freedom and democracy. You're after laws that will destroy it. It's like saying, can I bring food to the party? Yes. And everyone's assuming that you'll bring food that's not poison. You know, can I bring poison to the party? Well, of course not. You can't bring up, bring poison to the party. Why would you accept that in a party situation? And why would you accept it in an election? You can't, you can't bring uh, under the guise of supposed sustenance, something that's going to kill you. Then would it be accurate to say that democracy is only compatible with freedom, that the two go hand in hand? It's, it's the only thing compatible with rational governance, but it can be abused mm-hmm. because if people use the wrong ethical code, if they, if they hand people in government power that no human being should have to rape, to murder, to enslave, to expropriate, etc., because they think, well, that's what everyone should be doing is sacrificing of themselves for others, then it becomes very dangerous. So democracy is a way of defending freedom, right? Mm-hmm. It's, you, you have to have the government getting only the power given to it by human beings if you want government not to have more power than a human being has. But you have to be very careful in identifying what power a human being does have. And that's governed by ethics. And in a, in a properly human ethics, it's individualistic, it's egoistic, and it's rational. You have to defend your own life, liberty, and property so that you can pursue your own happiness. And you, you give that power to government so that it can be done effectively and uh, transparently. Excellent. Well, looking forward to your video, Paul. Well, thank you. And sounds like it's going to be an interesting one and certainly one of those things that people need to know about, those fundamentals. So I guess that's the time we got for this week. And you can vote to join us again next week, or you can just (laughs) exercise your freedom of choice when we will continue our journey in the right direction. And until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right, and be right back here. We'll see you then. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be all right. Dorothy. This could be like the Great Reform Act of 1832. These councils are like little old rotten boroughs. You know, half a dozen people deciding who's going to be in the town hall for the next four years. Oh, precisely. And I shall be the Great Reformer. <laughs> Hacker's Reform Bill. I shall introduce it myself. 
power of this country does not lie in offices and institutions. It lies in the stout hearts and strong wills of the yeomen of Britain. Women have the vote too. The yeo women of Britain. <laughs> yo persons. Yo people. No, the people of this island race on their broad and wise shoulders. And you can't have wise shoulders. On their broad shoulders and wise hearts, heads. On <laughs> their wise heads lies our destiny. We must give back power to the people. And I shall be the one to introduce this, um, what shall I call this new scheme? Democracy? 